gentlemen this is a saw good man the better better call saw podcast my name is brian and with me as always is my golf caddy dave dave how's it going today so you know how sometimes you don't get a lot of sleep the night before and then like you wake up and you're just like you're waiting for your brain to just like switch over oh you mean uh life <laughs> no but no like you have this like cloud around yeah, your brain yeah, yeah. and you're just wait like it won't like switch over like kick on mm-hmm. and get into gear Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I'm at right now. All right. Just a foggy haze. So it's going to be a good show for the first episode of season two. First things first, I hope you guys liked our new theme song that was put together by Dave and our buddy Tom. Uh, I, I love the theme song. I think it's absolutely hilarious. But we wanted to do something a little bit different uh, for season two. And I believe uh, that the plans are it might change a little bit as the season goes on. Yeah, we're uh, noticing how... The genre, you know, like there's certain genres that are kind of thematic, mm-hmm. thematic to, uh, I almost said it's all good, man. Thematic to Better Call Saul. And we might make some theme song copies of those styles and just kind of switch genres and mess things around and create bumps and up the production value a little bit. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I, I look forward to hearing it. I really like it. It kind of has been, I've, I actually, first time I heard it was like three weeks ago. And it's stuck in my head. I'll randomly <laughs> just sit there and be like, hey, hey, it's all good, man. <laughs> yeah, also thanks to Pat and uh, Phil. And we don't do last names. So, but yeah, yeah, they played the drums and the mandolin. Yeah, and if your name is Pat, and, and no matter where you are, if your name is Pat and Phil and you play those two instruments, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for uh, yeah, keeping the art alive. All right, let's do this, Dave. Season two, episode number one. Are you pumped? Switch it. Let's do it. All right. So it opens up and we're back at the Cinnabon in the black and white present day. And I love that they went back to that. We speculated that it might go back to that last season. And I'm glad that they kept that theme going. So, so far, um, it appears that they're going to open every season Mm -hmm. with a little clip of where Saul's at now. Yeah. Or whatever his name is now. Yeah. And um, this was a much more extended scene. It, it was a little, little bit longer, right? Yeah, longer than I thought it would be, but uh, pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Still managing the Cinnabon. Mm-hmm. Gets himself locked in the trash room. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I liked about that was it, it, the door closes behind him, and now he's stuck in the trash room. Obviously wants to get out. He goes to hit the emergency sign or the emergency exit, sees a sign that says the police will be notified, and then backs off. Right. So he does not want the cops to come. Right. Or he doesn't want the hassle. I'm no, I, I think he doesn't want the police to come because present day would be the aftermath of everything that happened in Breaking Bad. Right, yeah. So he's still he's still probably uh, somewhat of interest, I would think. You know what I mean? I think mm. he would be, you know, if uh, because like that, that would be present day like a huge story about this crazy math teacher that right. started selling meth and everybody involved with it. And then the lawyer for him just happens to disappear. He's probably still a pretty big person of interest. He's somebody right. that... Somebody would want to talk to somewhere, so uh, he decides to wait it out. He went in at uh, 9.20, and he got out at 11.45. Yeah, he's been there for about two hours. I like how um, he just, when the door opens up, he just gets up and walks out. Yeah, doesn't say a word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And he finds a screw on the floor and uh, scratches, SG was here. That's right. Leaving his mark. Leaving his mark. Little clues. Little breadcrumbs for the police <laughs> to find. And then, of course, the opening that we always love, the lo-fi opening. And it was the inflatable Statue of Liberty that's on top of his, uh, or that was, I guess, on top of his office. I think that's how Uno opened, too, if my memory serves. I wonder if they're going to do that, too, maybe. Same openings for the same episode numbers of the season. Who knows? Yeah, that's a good that's a good thing to look into. If anybody out there listening would like to look into that and uh, write Dave and I on Twitter or Facebook or on our website at sawgoodman.com. I think uh, that's something that I can look up. I was trying to build participation there. You see that? Well, I'm not I'm trying not to use the audience as a crutch so much. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's All have right. a race. Let's see who can get it first. Right. <laughs> So the show opens up, and it's actually kind of like an extended replay of the last scene from season one. Yeah, it shows you what happens between when Jimmy goes into the parking garage mm-hmm. and leaves the parking garage. Yep. how uh, He meets Howie and uh, the folks from David and Maine. It appears everybody's all cordial, and uh, it shows the scene about... Uh, about how wrong we were about Ed Begley Jr. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We were way off. <laughs> well, I mean, he was a lawyer. He, he was a lawyer, but. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, so he's actually Clifford Maine. He's mm-hmm. one of the partners of Davis and Maine. Yep. And um, he is interested in Jimmy. Yeah, he's there He's there to take the job, but before he uh, officially confirms, he pulls Kim aside and asks her if, if he goes forward with that, if they're going to be a thing. Right. Laying it all out there. Which I really wasn't sure how that how that was going to play out either, because it was so awkward. And she did a great job of uh, avoiding, great job of avoiding the whole situation just by saying right. one thing doesn't have anything to do with the other. Yeah, it's your typical friend zone conversation. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally typical friend zone. And then, you know, he makes the decision that he, he's going to pass and he walks out. And then that's where we see the last scene of... So does that mean he was only... Well, I guess that does mean that... Um, a large part of his pursuit of the law is attached to his pursuit of Kim. Mm, deep. If one thing has nothing to do with the other, then all of a sudden he decides, okay, well, I don't need to be a lawyer anymore. Yeah. Oh, you know? nice. I didn't. I didn't even put that together. But that's yeah. that's a great point. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Good as, call, Dave. As a frequent uh, a frequent resident of the friend zone, I understand how that mentality <laughs> works. <laughs> so we we see a replay of uh, the last scene from the first season. Mm-hmm. Smoke on the water. Hmm? Smoke on the water. Absolutely. You know what smoke on the water is about? Uh, the fires in the sky. It's about a band. Yeah. I'm supposed to record an album at a casino. Yeah. And it burned down. Really? And they're watching the smoke on the water. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's you're watching your plans go up in smoke. Oh, your future. Was it was it a riverboat casino? Uh, I think it was on a lake or something like that. Oh. It's it's not in the United States. I, I honestly, I think it was England, maybe. Gotcha. I, I thought it might have been. It's, yeah, it's deep. That's a true story about what happened to Deep Purple, and it's about your plans going up in smoke. Oh, well, that's cool. Very, very deep. Yeah, very. Exactly. I'm gonna have to ask the music guy about that when I talk to him. Mm, absolutely. I kind of thought it might be a riverboat casino where I just went and won 450 bucks because you were late for recording today. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, how are you going to text somebody, you won me this money, and not share it with them? Late fees. Late fees. Worse than my bank, dude. <laughs> Worse than my bank. So, uh, Jimmy, 
By the way, I, I'm just going to put this out there once again. I'm going to use Sal and Jimmy interchangeably, so please don't get on my ass this year. Could use Saul, though, instead of Sal. Yeah. Sal, I don't even know who he is. Chicago. That's the Chicago That's the Chicago, yes. That's a row. But Jimmy, uh, he's kind of amped up. He seems like he feels he made the great decision, makes it back to the nail salon, and uh, finally gets his goddamn cucumber water. He finally gets his cucumber water. Absolutely. I, I thought he was just going to pay her some money. Like, just, like, throw it at her? Or? Like, yeah, God damn it! now I'm a customer. Oh, gotcha. You know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, he does the whole uh, spiteful child thing. <laughs> just drinks right from the nozzle. <laughs> Which is great, because it's, like, all over the floor now and shit. Like bathing in it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, man, uh, he's baptizing himself into the next phase of his life. Nice. Man, I'm on today. You are so on, I dude. I not that, sleep more often. It was that shot of whiskey you did before we turned on the microphones. The brain loop. <laughs> but seriously, that's kind of what happened. Like, he's baptizing himself. Like, he eats all over the place, and then he's rips the sign off the doors. I'm not Jimmy McGill lawyer anymore. I'm going right. to do something else. Absolutely. And then we have our first commercial break. And when we come back, we see Mike in the parking garage waiting with his uh, pimento loaf sandwich. Uh, gross. <laughs> Absolutely disgusting. And, uh, you know, good callback. So apparently the parking garage is going to be a good set piece for every time uh, Mike has to meet with a client. Got to keep an eye on that bag. Yeah. It always seems to be in the same spot so far. Mm-hmm. The time it moves, something's going to be fucked up. He's a man He's a man of methods. He's a man of methods. You know, like he, uh, he, he's got his... Uh, his routine. Right. You know, it's just the way he does things. Consistency. Yep. And uh, coming down the ramp is a... Uh, uh, Player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so coming down the ramp is Daniel Warmold and uh, driving the pussy wagon from Kill Bill. Wiggle <laughs> <laughs> your big toe. <laughs> <laughs> Completely... Completely douchebagged out, and uh, Mike refuses to get in it because he says their business uh, requires restraint. And, uh, you know, uh, this this guy's uh, been making some money between, you know, making some money with his dealings with Nacho and decides to spend it on the douchiest car that you could have ever seen with matching shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and a bracelet and a and, watch. Yeah. Is that like one of those watches from back in the day? A Swatch watch? Swatch watch. <laughs> Uh, Mike refuses to get in because he, he sees that the complications that can come from being flashy like that. And uh, uh, Dr. Warmel, or, or no, he's an IT tech, so fires him. <laughs> you well, it's kind of a mutual party of ways, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I love how, I love how uh, it played out because he, he was, uh, for all the bravado with the, big, with the big shiny SUV, he seemed actually really timid. Oh, yeah, he's to, abs- to, that's obviously overcompensation. Mm-hmm. You know, playa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> License plate. But, uh, you know, this reminds me of a t-shirt I saw recently. I was showing a friend of mine because I'm an audio engineer. Mm-hmm. And the t-shirt said, like, you don't know what I do until I don't do it. And I sarcastically showed a friend of mine. I was like, oh, oh look at this audio t-shirt. Because there's a lot of jobs like that. It's not just audio guys. Right. Especially guys like Mike. Yeah, Indeed. Because he gets fired. I don't need you. You got your gravy train job, $1,500 a pop. And easy Mike's peasy, like, man. It was easy peasy. And Mike's <laughs> like, you're going to find out when I'm not there, why mm-hmm. I'm there. Right. And I love, uh, they meet at the uh, at the old factory, and uh, I absolutely love the look of disgust on Nacho's face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? And it's like he's trying to cover it up when he says, no, old man. 
But he's absolutely in his head. You can just see thinking like, what the fuck is yeah. this clown doing? <laughs> this is the last time we're doing business together. <laughs> And uh, he feigns interest in the vehicle, and uh, Warmold invites him to to take a look. And uh, Mike was right; he should he should have been there to watch him because yep. Nacho uh, opens up the glove box and gets uh, gets his information. That's right; he finds out his address. Yeah, wonder why. Mm, I don't know. Maybe they'll show that later in the episode. <laughs> <laughs> like your food with a little extra kick? Try Cuban Sriracha hot sauce by the Pepper Jelly Company out of Miami, Florida. Cuban Sriracha is an artisan sriracha with a Cuban flair will spice up any dish. A family recipe passed down from the Diaz family right to yours. You can taste the tradition and the heat. Pick up your bottle of Pepper Jelly Company's Cuban Sriracha at www.pepperjellycompany.com. That's www.pepperjellycompany.com. This episode of Nothing Important is brought to you by First Base and Beyond, the hilarious new book that defines the bases and expands the baseball metaphor for getting late. A perfect gift for the holidays, bachelor parties, or just to have around to settle debates. Ever wonder what getting to third base really means? Get First Base and Beyond by going to www.firstbaseandbeyond.com. That's firstbaseandbeyond.com. Some of the proceeds also go to Save the Tatas. Firstbaseandbeyond.com. Copywritten by Brian of the Nothing Important Podcast. So then Mr. Cumpston is having a lounge. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so let's talk about that real quick. Uh, it, it, am I immature, or is that obviously supposed to be like Mr. Cumpstain? Like, just something kind of, I'm pretty, uh, that, my kind first, of childish and vulgar? Like, yeah. it's just kind of funny that he's ripping these people off, and he's like, uh, Mr. Cumpstain? <laughs> yeah, it's like saying your name's Panice. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things uh, I like about the scene it was, was the cell phone floating in the Ziploc bag. Mm-hmm. And then that made me think, like, that's actually, like, great. If I was if I worked at Ziploc, I would design bags with, like, an old 1990-style <laughs> cell phone in them and try to do a tie-in with Better Call Saul. Not, not a cell phone in the bag, but, like, printed on the bag. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be great for canoe trips. Absolutely. Kim shows up. She's pissed. and uh, Disappointed. Disappointed. Yes. Yeah. More aggravated than anything now mm-hmm. that now that I think about it. Right. Uh, you know, and they decide to to take it in. Well, he invites her in. He's trying to be he's trying to be smooth and uh Yeah, he's like in the water. Like trying to be smooth and charming. She has none of it, and she's like, All right, Mr. Cumston, <laughs> I'll be at the bar for a short time or whatever she says. And then he hauls ass to the bar. And then of course he hauls ass, yeah, right. absolutely. Right. <laughs> so they're meeting at the bar and uh Jimmy's trying to scam drinks. $50, $50 shots of tequila? I had one of those once. Did you? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> but Kim uh, Kim is on to him. And, uh, you know, she's trying to do the honest thing, won't let him pay. She gets mm-hmm. well well tequila and house wine for herself. A house red. House red. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, obviously disappointed. And then they have a little chat of, um, exactly, uh, dude, Jimmy. What the fuck is going on? And I like how she makes reference to like the weird pinky ring. Like you're mm-hmm. wearing, you're wearing the weird pinky ring, <laughs> which is nice to see that they kind of keep that going. You know, yeah. like, cause uh, but, I believe he has it in breaking bad. He does have it in breaking bad, but he, I think it's just more of a costume 
design then because he never really plays with it right but it seems like now like marco is very much so in his thoughts so oh yeah yeah so you know as he's becoming saw goodman you know it's kind of like his his buddy is with not, him and he's not used to jewelry so he notices that it's there yeah and then we have uh we have a stockbroker. well at uh, first i wanted to say that one of my things i i wrote down from the conversation was uh the thing that jimmy enjoys the most about lawyering is the selling people and the convincing people, selling people, mm-hmm. which is he's basically a con man, right? Yeah. Which all we we all know Saul Goodman is a con man with a law degree, mm-hmm. but uh, I like I, I don't know I like the way that was written. There's a lot of things written. I like. You know what else I liked about that too is that Jimmy makes the comment that he's looking for an opportunity, mm-hmm. and uh, that actually seemed to hurt Kim. I didn't notice that. Yeah, actually. yeah. It's, uh, she says. Um, wasn't Davis in Maine an opportunity? But she kind of reels back right when he mm. says it, and it's it's like uh, you know he's talking, he's trying to figure out where he's going in life, and Kim kind of sees this, right? And and he walked away from Davis in Maine previously, you know, under the impression that he thought it would help his relationship with her, like like almost in a way he gave it up, right? And you, you know, know the old saying, "Fool me once, shame on me." I'm not even uh, going to attempt this because me, I way botched a joke on this. Fool me this twice. Uh, I won't get fooled again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Right. Yes. And uh, oh no. And well. And then she talks about doing the right thing, and uh, Jimmy makes the comment that the right thing has gotten him nowhere. And then you can really see the disappointment on Kim's face. Right. Like it seemed like she was really. Like they have different opinions on what on what on what on what where is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And uh then from the background you just hear donkey balls, which absolutely cracked me up. It's pure See, I pure donkey balls. I was listening from the with my headphones on, uh-huh. which I've been a lot doing a lot lately since I'm editing movies now and stuff. And um you hear like his whole conversation. Yeah. I wonder if you could hear it through the speakers, because in the headphones you really like you hear him be like, What did he say? Bobby, what's up, brother man? Like out of nowhere, <laughs> I was like, "What?" The, they are? And then I'm like, "Listen, all the background and the, the they call it the group walla, all the random, you know, noises, right? Yeah, the, the garbles." But you can hear his conversation if you pay close enough attention, mm-hmm. which I'm probably not going to do. Right, but the attention to detail is pretty cool. It is. The sound design team is doing a fantastic job. Yeah, and actually, that gentleman's name is Ken. That character's name is Ken, who is our first Breaking Bad cameo. I knew he looked familiar. Yeah, because uh, Walter White uh, was waiting behind him in line in uh, Breaking Bad and found him particularly obnoxious and uh, and destroyed his car. But that's Kent from Breaking Bad. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so there's the first. Uh, we we talked about it, and I said you'll never guess because uh, you'll never guess uh, who the, who the Breaking Bad because like I said like Hank and all the obvious ones, mm-hmm. but now they're going so far. I think obscure. my reply was like, "What did I say? Crazy Eight. Uh, Badger, right? Like, <laughs> Jesse, Pink. I was just throwing every name I could think of at you, and uh, no, it's random douchebag number one. Yeah, random douchebag number one, Ken from Breaking Bad. Well, it's good to see he still has work. Maybe we should try and get him on the show. Yeah, already on it. <laughs> already, already on it. Uh, so uh, they kind of overhear the conversation in the awkward silence, not really knowing where to go in their conversation or where they're going to end up. Jimmy takes a chance, and you know he wants Kim. Ooh. The sunk cost fallacy. Did we get to that part? Yeah. Did you catch that part? No, I didn't. Explain. Where, where, where Kim says, um, you've already come this far. 
So why would you give it up? Why not just see it through? And then Jimmy explains, well, that's like the sunk cost fallacy, which is a gambling problem, where you think if you keep throwing good money after bad money, you'll recoup your money eventually. Oh. So like once you realize that this is a lost cause, just cut your losses and get out of there. Go do something else. Mm-hmm. Make it up on an, in something else. Oh. You know, don't keep chasing bad money with good money. Right. Kind of like what I did this morning at the casino when you were late for the recording session and I won 450 bucks. <laughs> I was winning and winning and winning. And then when I started to lose, Dave, I said, you know what? Maybe I'll just cut my losses and walk away. <laughs> it's kind of like what the Buccaneers did to Lovey Smith. They don't want to keep throwing bad money after good money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're not on the broadcast. Oh, right that's now. okay, though. Damn it. <laughs> but Jimmy wants Kim uh, to understand what he's talking about. And he goes over to Ken, or random douchebag number one, <laughs> as Dave says. <laughs> and uh, and they're posing as newly minted millionaires uh, that inherited their brother and sister, supposedly. Yes, and Victor and, with a K and Giselle St. Clair. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love Giselle. Like, because that is such a perfect name for her to use. Because in that situation, like you could just see where she's like, I can't say anything too common, but I, right. it can't be too ridiculous. And right. then... The first thing that comes out of her mouth is uh, Giselle. <laughs> Giselle. Giselle St. Clair. Giselle St. Clair. And I love yeah, how. She gave him a last name. Like, yeah, so she she, now up, she's, she's taking the lead on yeah, this. Yeah, she's pushing the ball forward. <laughs> and Uncle Humphrey. Yeah. Uncle Humphrey, Uncle Humphrey St. Clair. Right there from, he was from South Africa, right? And uh, uh, what was great is, uh, you know, Ken starts being suave and kind of starts hitting on Kim. It's like, wow. They're growing beautiful down there, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and compares Theron. her to uh, Charlie's Theron. Yes. But, yeah. Is that how you pronounce her name? Charlie's Theron. Charlie's Theron. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie's. Charlie's Theron. And uh, many people say she should have gotten an Oscar nod for Mad Max, and I'm going to disagree with that. But moving on. <laughs> but it wasn't. It wasn't exactly Corky Romano. Okay. Yeah. I. I. Okay. I didn't understand that. <laughs> so. Okay. Yeah, so he's descri- that you, know, you don't want to go out like the Hindenburg or the other thing you said that I missed. Andrea Dora? Andrea Dora. Mm-hmm. Um, or Corky Romano? Right. Okay, well. They seem solid. They seem solid. <laughs> but the Corky Romano thing is a joke because I think everybody knew from the get-go, you guys want some cookies? Like, everybody remembers that commercial. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah, that was not solid from the get-go. That's a terrible, terribly funny movie. <laughs> <laughs> Good reference, though, by Ken. Yeah, sorry, Chris Kattan, because I do love your comedy. <laughs> Is that what that's from, Corker? Oh, I get it now! <laughs> yeah, this is the movie. <laughs> uh, the whole time... The whole time I'm like sitting there, like, I know what Corker Romano is. And, like, and then you said, you guys, what's the cookies? And I remember that. I'm like, yeah, what's the connection there? It's the fucking movie. <laughs> That that I wonder. I that wonder clip when they were lodged in my brain. I can't get rid of it, dude. Right? Yeah. Can I get rid of that? I, I wonder. Uh, man, you got to love the research that goes into that because now the timeline, you know, because this thing jumps all over. Mm-hmm. So now the timeline is probably what like five years before Breaking Bad, which happened like mm-hmm. in the early two thousands. Mean, so. They said two thousand three. I think they or two thousand four. That that Hummer was a two thousand three model. Oh, was it? Yeah. Well, either either way, like I I I would have just loved to been in the writers' room where. Somebody pitched that joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm not going to lie. I don't know what that middle thing was. Andrea, Andrea Dora? No, no. Maybe somebody could tell us and let us know what yeah, that is. Yeah, because honestly, that's way over my head. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, everybody knows what the Hindenburg is. Right. Know? Yeah. It's not exactly a good year. 
Right, and uh, you know they're 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 opposing that they got the one point four million dollars. They rope our our buddy Ken into uh, chatting with them, and you know he thinks he's going to get one over on them. He thinks right. he's going to make some easy money. Just stumbled into it. Easy because peasy. Yeah, easy peasy. And uh, they're bilking them for fifty dollars shots of vodka and the expensive ass wine. <laughs> Not just fifty dollars shots of vodka, of uh, tequila or vodka uh, tequila. A that's right. bottle. Of fifty dollars shots of tequila, <laughs> right? And actually, that's Breaking Bread reference number two because I believe that's the same kind of tequila that Gus used to kill the uh, Salamanca cartel. Mm. Ah, remember? Wow! Remember nice. he he brought an expensive bottle of vodka and uh, he tricked them all into drinking it, made everybody. himself throw up, and everybody died except for yeah. him and and uh, nice catch, yeah. Yeah, two in one scene. I I could be I could be wrong, but I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty damn sure I didn't get a chance to go back and cross reference it with Breaking Bad, but I'm pretty damn sure. Well, hopefully I'm by spot on about that before preview of the prior, we can get that taken care of. Yeah, Find absolutely. So just a great. Uh, it, it's nice because it shows that Kim isn't as uptight as she seems to be, and she actually finds uh, Jimmy's shenanigans a little endearing. Yeah, she she enjoys the thrill as. Mm-hmm. Just as much as he does. Oh, I was going to say that, but I don't think he, she enjoys it as much as he does. You don't think so? No, he he lives off that. Yeah, well, I, I guess, yeah. Like Marco, you know, Marco went out like that. Ah, good point. You know, yeah, he, he needs that. He literally needs that. To, that's what the whole scene's about. He needs that thrill to survive. She's just kind of like that was like just a fun, right fun yeah. deal, right? She's just escaping a little bit from right. life. Absolutely. They sneak out. Oh, Ken gets stuck with the bill. I wish they would have shown how much the bill was, though. Yeah, I paused it even trying to find it. Mm-hmm. And they, they covered it up well, but maybe that was like a, some sort of decision just to keep it. You know, like the Simpsons make jokes that are timely at the time, but here like 30 years later, you know, like the joke makes absolutely no sense. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it's kind of keeping like a timeless. Well, no, because it, it dated the 2003 Hummer. Yeah. Because I, I was going to say maybe the prices, you know, if somebody watches it 10 years down the road, then the prices will fluctuate. But mm-hmm. I don't know. For some reason, in a, in a show that's just packed with details, for some reason, I just really wish that we I would have seen how much the bill was. I think <laughs> yeah. that could have made it so much more funny if Ken got stuck with like a ten thousand dollar. <laughs> well, maybe you just have to do the math: fifty bucks a shot, a shot's an ounce or two. Mm-hmm. How many ounces in a bottle? Right. I don't know. Yeah, so it's like you know at least thirty forty dollars <laughs> somewhere in there. <laughs> one bo- one bottle. I'll tell a you Fifty dollar shot tequila is at least. Thirty dollars on the tab. <laughs> I bet. I bet if you went to a casino and won four hundred dollars, it still wouldn't cover the bottle. <laughs> and Dave, you got your wish, man. They they smooched. That's right. So apparently, the way out of the friend zone is by scamming other people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be alpha, man. That's the way it goes. You got to be alpha. And uh, so, uh, Dave, you, you said all through season one, I think you even said a couple times to our coverage of season two over the past few weeks mm-hmm. that uh, that you want them to hook up, and it finally well, happened. Just, there, there seems to be a level of comfort and inti- intimacy mm-hmm. with, with yeah. each other, and that toothbrushing scene was very, very intimate. Yeah. Gross, right? On Jimmy's part. Okay, so just a, just a personal story. Uh, once upon a time, Dave and I lived together years and years and years ago. And, oh, uh, my God, we, what did you do to my toothbrush? No, nothing. I... <laughs> But we had a neighbor downstairs who um, who had a girl staying with them who for, she was kind of like a vagabond. It was like the weirdest thing. Like he like took in this girl that like he just it's randomly a teenage met. Runaway. Yeah, it was like a teenage runaway. It was really odd. But for the record, this person was not our friend. Uh, we just kind of like were friends with his roommates. 
So anyway, this this like twenty year old man takes in like a teenage runaway, and she stayed at his apartment for like a week. And uh, I remember catching them sharing toothbrushes, and that was the most disgusting thing I've ever heard in my life. And for some reason, this this uh, where Jimmy he's making the argument as to you know they've already swapped all sorts of body fluids. Like what is right. it? What does it matter? So what's the big deal? Yeah. Right. Right. I agree with Jimmy. Yeah. What's yeah. the big deal? I don't know. I, I agree with Kim. I feel that is very different and it's gross. So he brushes his teeth. I'm not going to lie. I, I agree with Kim also. That's, that's <laughs> he brushes his teeth with, with her finger, with her finger. And, uh, that's bullshit because anybody who knows that anybody who's been camping knows that if you do not have a toothbrush, you can either use uh, Coca-Cola and gargle with that, or you use your t-shirt, <laughs> <laughs> wrap your t-shirt around your finger. Uh, I've literally been on camping trips where I've used my finger as a toothbrush. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there were too. bears and stuff. I they have too. Like I've just mountains. seen. A, I've seen it before. Where people like stick their finger yeah. in their t-shirt just to oh, like really? give it a scraping. <laughs> but uh, Coca Cola, it is fizzy. What? What I like? Right? Yeah. You swish it around. It kills. I want to um, know what he flosses with. He says, "What, what do you see? What I floss with?" Yeah. God willing, we'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> but what I liked about that is. That whole scene broke down a lot of of Kim's barriers, uh, yeah, walls, yeah, if you will, right? Baggage. Because like we know about her, you know, she's a very successful businesswoman, mm-hmm. right? She has this affinity for this con artist, uh, Jimmy. You know, she participates in one of his scams, and kind of, um, you know, she's endeared by that. They end up, uh, they end up sleeping together, and uh, it was just kind of a funny little moment that I caught when he's using her finger to brush his teeth but she's like i'm fine with it it's like a compromise yeah, yeah. but like it's like uh I'm fine with this yeah, yeah it's like uh, i'm not backing it. you know it was like it was like she knew that he did that to weird her out and mm-hmm. she just tried to one-up him and she's like i'm, I'm fine with it right <laughs> you know he's, and that's what he said you should see what i floss with <laughs> yeah <laughs> her fingernail duh yeah but it's nice that they're uh it's nice that their relationship is going somewhere yeah and, and, and i'll tell you what um Maybe that tequila's worth it if you drink a whole bottle and you feel like that in the morning. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, Come on. yeah. They weren't even hungover. They're not even hungover, <laughs> dude. They were they were smashed. Right. <laughs> but you know, yeah, you know what? Then uh she puts the walls right back up because she's getting ready to go to work. Jimmy's kind of lounging mm-hmm. and uh she says, uh, you got somewhere to go? I think it was that that seemed to me more like um like if he had his own place, mm-hmm. he, he could stay there. But she's like, you have somewhere to go? Like, you know, I'm you're not using me as a place to crash. Are we saying the same thing? That's how I took it. Is like, oh, okay. I took it as she was basically saying, uh, get out of my house. Well, yeah, but uh, but not as as like she doesn't want him in her house. It's it's kind of to teach him a lesson, right? Like, I, like I took it as like she was just building. Another, she was drawing her boundaries. Like, okay, this is fun, but like, I'm the master of my domain. You're not going to just sit here and hang out in my nice ass house. Yeah, I think we're slightly different on that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, I'm picking up okay. what you're throwing down. Okay, so yeah, we disagree on something. Hey, coffee drinkers. Why are you standing in line paying way too much for fast food coffee? Get yourself some real coffee from Tugboat Coffee. Tugboat Coffee is real, direct trade, specialty coffee, roasted by Master Roaster and founder Eric Barkley. I know he does it. I've seen him myself. No more paying $20 for a shot of espresso and a bunch of sugar milk. Get real artisan coffee at www.tugboatcoffee.com. That's 
www.tugboatcoffee.com. So then the police show up at Warmald's house. Which, I'm going to cut you off there. Yeah, go ahead. So um, on the registration, if you consult page one of my notes, Mm -hmm. Warmald lives at 216 Bellington Court. Hmm. When the police pull up, 7729 is the number on the curb. Oh. Uh, Eagle Eye Dave, look at that. That's right, Fail Scouts. Yeah. Looking at you, buddy. Where were you on that one? <laughs> a rare a rare inc- uh, inconsistency for this show. Yeah, I don't know why I did. I, I know, honestly, so that led me to thinking that this whole time the cops are in the house, that's not his real residence or that's not the residence that's on the registration. Mm-hmm. Right. But the name's the same. Well, so it's not like a fake ID. It's not registered to a false name. So I think it's just like they—they just—they're not going to repaint a curb for a TV show. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. Well, maybe he's doing the whole thing where, uh, uh, like, people in Chicago will keep their vehicles registered to their parents' house, mm. so they don't have to pay the bullshit because you're taxed to- on where you live and not where you purchase the vehicle. Right. Or also in the city of Chicago, you have to pay like two hundred dollars for some bullshit. Bullshit t- uh, city sticker so you can park on the streets, mm-hmm. even though you already pay taxes to the goddamn city to pay for the streets anyway. Right. Well, and, you know what I mean. And, but if you have an out of city license plate, uh, they can't they can't tax you for that because you're not technically a resident. That's pretty in- interesting though that you caught the the address discrepancy. I wonder if that's something that might come up later. I don't know. Like maybe it's some sort of weird evasion tactic tactic by a uh, wormald, and uh, maybe maybe it'll come up later in the season. Who knows? His house is ransacked. He's concerned about his baseball cards, and apparently he has a lot of kick-ass, high-value baseball cards. Yeah, man. He's got all top loaders, and uh, you're looking at a nine-point downgrade to tamper with anything. What, what's the top loader? I don't know. I think I guess it's the Oh, where you rows. slide it? Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. We, so those of you listening, we just did hand motions to communicate. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did. When you load in the case from the top, and yes. Police are uh, suspicious, mm-hmm. and uh, he slipped up and said that there was a, a good deal of cash missing. They asked him how much, and uh, he, he tried to change the subject. He tried to go back to the baseball cards, like, oh, that's not important. Yeah, let's just focus on the cards. Yeah, rookie mistake. <laughs> rookie mistake. <laughs> that, that's a rookie move. He should have just said, like, 300 bucks. <laughs> yeah, what's with all these people that are, like, denying the fact that they're criminals? Betsy Kettleman won't admit that she's a criminal. The Kettlemans can't admit that they're criminals. This guy can't admit that he's a criminal. Well, he can't admit that he's a criminal to the police. <laughs> well, he can't do it to Mike either. Remember? Every time Mike says, you're a criminal, he's always like, well, no, I'm not. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of, lot of denial on Seems to be Saul Goodman's kind of clientele. <clears throat> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. The lawyer is yeah. the actual criminal. Oh, yeah. He arouses the suspicion of the police, uh, tries to change the subject, and uh, the police start talking about the Hummer, and I didn't understand what they meant when they said Arnold Schwarzenegger is the reason that Hummers exist. Did you catch that? Yeah. And this is back in like 03. Mm-hmm. This is when he was president uh, pre- <laughs> president of California. <laughs> this is back when he was uh, mayor. This is back when he was governor of California. Did he drive one of those things when he was governor? I don't know. He must have. But apparently, he's the reason that Hummers exist. I'm trying to think of a movie he drove it in or something. Uh, we're gonna have to do some research on that and figure out exactly exactly what he meant by that. Unless it's just the car version of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Maybe you know. Maybe yeah, but I think Hummers have been around since way before Arnold Schwarzenegger. 
Right, because it's a it's a military grade vehicle. Well, I mean, kind I mean, of Arnold Schwarzenegger's it. been around since the uh, since the forties. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, yeah, very true. All right, since well, it became popular, seventies. Yeah, we'll put that in the column of shit. Dave and Brian say they're going to research, and then they never research. So, <laughs> so, so uh, moving on, uh, Warmold. Uh, you know, he wants to get his, his listing, right. Of all the cards that he has his freaking detailed manifest, detailed manifest. And, uh, that's some, uh, good sleuthing by the police there to figure out the pull the couch. Yeah. Away from the wall. Cause because the dumbass had already pulled the couch away from the wall. Right. And moved all the, yeah. <laughs> all the junk or, on the floor. or the thief did it. And, uh, and nobody ever caught nobody it. Nobody noticed. That's some good sleuthing there. Yeah, that's some good police work. That's right. Wait, because, to, wait to detect, detectives. right? Because when they when when they were playing that out, I I didn't pick up on that. I'm like, I'm yeah, like, no. I'm like, why are they suspicious all of a sudden? Like, what the fuck is the couch? Yeah. And then it was like a great camera angle to show their thought process and them moving the couch. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty clever. But the thing about that is, is uh, I can't believe it took two people to move a couch. <laughs> <laughs> two, it took two grown ass men to pivot a couch. <laughs> True to this old. Uh, TV show universe's preferred method of money storage. It's in the wall. It's in the wall. Yep, it's in the wall. Right I actually thought that was kind of clever, though. Yeah, a little baseboard. Ah, base. And he likes baseball. Baseball, baseboard. Ah, right. Mm. Yeah, I, I know that's such a stretch, but like I was sitting there it's trying to put that together. a lot of alliteration. Together. Yeah, a lot of alliteration. I didn't put that together until just now. Really? See, I, yeah. I was watching, and I'm like, baseball, baseboard, there's got to be something there. But there probably What's is. the third base? Uh- <laughs> I don't mean below the waist touching. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then uh, we're back at the pool. Jimmy's lounge again. Pretty ballsy move by Jimmy, I thought. <laughs> he just ripped off a guy for a lot of money. Who's right. local, you know, Ken, he doesn't know that Ken's not local. He shows up and break a bad. So right. he lives there. I mean, I, I would have thought there, I w- me personally, I would have thought there would have been a pretty significant chance of running into the same guy again. Well, it's a hotel bar. Right. Me. Hotels People go to hotel bars just to drink though. Yes. This is true. You know what I mean? So maybe he assumed he was traveling. I'm just saying. And then, you know, under different circumstances, that could have ended up badly. I'm just saying that. And actually, I'm but, just saying that if the guy looked at the bill before they left, it could have been badly. I mean, right. how lucky are you that, that, that you just, well, I guess he kind of purposely distracted him to the point of not looking at the bill. Right. They they hustled out. They kind of right. like, whoop, I got to go. Well, yeah, but because, I mean, if it's me, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have, you know, Harris Casino waiting for Dave money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm snatching the bill right away and taking a look and seeing what you owe me. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. When it opened up and he was back in the pool, though, I I uh, I thought that was going to be like a conflict. I thought Ken was going to reappear. Oh no, no, yeah, I had already forgotten about Ken as 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 much as Jimmy had. Yeah. Okay. You know, and uh, not much goes on the scene except for super hot chick hangs out with fat hairy guy. Well, he, it's the Mark. Yeah. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. this is now Jimmy's. Like now his his wheels are turning, mm-hmm. and again he try he calls Kim and he tries to drag her into. Another another scam. Mm-hmm. Refers to himself as the lioness ready the lioness. to hunt. Yeah, he wants to be species specific. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then uh, join he- the pride. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. I laughed. Yeah. I, I chuckled. At yeah, that. that was good. But then uh, it, it was uh, it, it was it was very well acted. But I mean, that was definitely a turning point. Like like that whole little soliloquy. So, soliloquy. Yeah, that he had with himself. You know, like. 
I, I feel that the character of Jimmy then realized how ridiculous he actually sounds. And, and that's when he's like, what the fuck am I doing? And then right. he calls Davis and Maine. So even though it kind of opened with him having like a definitive direction of where he thinks his life would go, it, it's very much in flux. He He's still and that, struggling with who he is. That was the moment where I was thinking, okay, the title of the episode is called Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, he switches from being in law to not being in law, mm-hmm. but in actuality, he's switching back and forth. He switches a couple times. Yeah, and uh, I think the bigger switch, mm-hmm. the more impactful switch, is right. him going back into law, and he's going to stick at that at least through this season. Right, because <laughs> it is a TV <laughs> show. You gotta, you kind of think in chapters and acts. Yeah, they got nine more episodes to go. So. Right. <laughs> Once again, putting off how long it takes him to transform to Saul Goodman. Yep, yep, absolutely. Slow, slow burn. Slow burn. Uh, and then he uh, it kind of cuts to a nice musical montage of him getting acclimated and onboarded at Davis and Maine. Really, really fancy. Yeah, pretty, yeah. It's not just fancy. It's like New Mexico fancy. <laughs> like a lot of turquoise, a lot of like... Vaguely Native American decorations, <laughs> like dim brights mixed or dim lights mixed with bright lights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots going on. You think there'll be anything with that weird painting of? I'm not really sure if that was like a skateboarder or it, it, it was like really odd, right? It was like the clothes of like a uh, like a skateboarder, but there was like no real face to it. Yeah, but they made it a point to point out the painting uh, hanging in Jimmy's. Jimmy's office. I took that as more of a sign of like affluence. Like, oh, you don't like that piece of art? Well, uh, we have many, many more pieces of art to choose from. So uh, Dave and I are having a little trouble tracking down the uh, the name of that painting, but I, I can't help but think there's nothing more. See, that's the, that's the thing about these goddamn shows. Like, you always you always see little things, and you always think there's something more more to it. Right, and sometimes it's not that, and then something really subtle has some meaning to it. Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, if anybody out there could track down the name and artist of that painting and let us know, we sure would appreciate it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the Van Gogh. Uh, so Jimmy sits down. He's kind of surveying the surrounding, getting a lay of the land, and uh, doesn't request a new painting, but he definitely requests uh, a Coca Bolo desk. Yeah, very sheepishly asks for the Coca Bolo, mm-hmm. which is what he wanted. He, yeah. he mentions that in season one. Yep. And all he wants is a Coca Bolo desk. And he shall have it. Then. We end to the final scene. Uh, Jimmy's just kind of taking it all in and does the classic. Uh, you, you know, in real life, when somebody's like trying to make sense of stuff, I very rarely see people just randomly look out the window into the distance. However, in like every TV show ever or every movie, if somebody has to think, looking out the window does it for you. I love how 30 Rock references that a lot. Do they? Yeah. Alec Baldwin's character says this weekend will be filled with much staring out of windows, holding a glass of scotch. Like, <laughs> or like someone's in a spot and like, that's my staring window. The guest window's down there. Gotcha. <laughs> well, that's great. Okay. You keep telling me about 30 Rock. I've never seen it, but it's like stuff fun. like that makes me actually want to watch it. Yes. But yeah. So, you know, he, he's at a staring window. He sees a, a black switch on the wall with, uh, you know, a note that says, do not turn off this switch. So, of course. What's the first thing he does? Turns off the fucking switch. Title of episode. Yeah. And, he, and he's just kind of waiting see what happens and nothing happens do you have a switch like that in your house um the switch that i have it says do turn off don't turn off this switch is the life support system for the house is it really no 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a switch. I didn't know. <laughs> but my my parents' house is like over 100 years old. Mm-hmm. And there's a switch from as long as I can remember. Uh, it's on a stairwell. And I flip it. Nothing happens. Flip it. Nothing happens. And my mom. On the third try. Beetlejuice house, up. Yeah. The <laughs> house blew up or something. <laughs> but um, I've even asked my mother. I'm like, you grew up in this house. What, what is this? Uh, what is this switch for? What does it do? And uh, even she had no idea. So the only theory I could think of is like when they were like patching the wall or whatever for the stairwell. Uh, that maybe because it's wood, maybe they were just reusing wood, and there just happened to be like a notch cut out of it, so they just stuck a light switch <laughs> on there just to make it look it looks like it does something, but it does absolutely nothing. And uh, Jimmy switch does absolutely nothing as well, or it does something. The consequences of which will not come into play till later. Right. I think that's the most obvious. Maybe that'll come into play later. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine them dropping that because it wasn't like a random detail. It was like a full portion of the scene was dedicated to. Yeah, but I, I, honestly, I think it's just more the fact that um, Jimmy's going to do it. Like, especially if you tell him not to, the first thing he's going to do is do it. Really? Yeah. And, and I think that's more metaphoric than literal. He's going to do it, and then he learns that there's no consequences to doing it, even though it says not to. Ooh. Yeah, so maybe he's getting comfortable with, uh, you know. That's just his mentality. He's that little kid that you just, you know, this is why we can't have nice things, because every time <laughs> I tell you not to do something, you do it. Like, exactly. if you want him to behave, you'll tell him to talk. Mm-hmm. Right on. So, uh, thoughts on the show? First, first uh, episode of season two, what do you think? I'm ready for more, baby. I actually liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Um, yeah. I like... Um, Strong start, I feel. Was Chuck in this episode? He was not. Okay, that's the next episode. I have thoughts on that stuff. Yeah, I think it sets the foundation... It sets the foundation for Jimmy's struggle back and forth. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of mm-hmm. his um, moral ambiguity. Yeah. Is definitely going to be more at play here. Right, and uh, his relationship with uh, with Kim is it's, ramping up. It's banging up right now, literally. Yeah, getting complicated, <laughs> and it's getting complicated. Change that Facebook status, buddy. It's complicated. <laughs> and uh, Ed Bagley Jr. is not the second Hamlin. No. Even though we thought it might be. That, that, I, I, that was a solid guess on our part. I think that was a solid, solid guess, but just not the way uh, things no. are going down. I hold out hope, though. The second Hamlin is Saul Goodman. Paradox. <laughs> well, there is a lot of time traveling in this series. So. Like two surgeons crammed in an elevator. That's a paradox. Nice. <laughs> that's stupid. I just made it up on the spot. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, what did you think? What did you think about the first episode of season two? Dave and I are pretty pumped to uh, watch it with you this season. Remember, we are your buddies on the couch. We are going to post these episodes the minute the show gets over. It's it's going to be posted. Um, we're we're pretty excited. I think it started off a great way. I want to hear your thoughts, suggestions, comments. Feel free to uh, pitch your theories on what's going on. Feel free to tell us why we're wrong. Maybe somebody could track down that painting in uh, Jimmy's office, or maybe somebody could come up with an idea why Wormald's uh, addresses didn't quite match up. We'd like to hear it all. Please make sure that you check out our episodes over the break where we talk to many of the cast of Better Call Saul. Uh, Some great tidbits and insight there. They have some great-ass stories about how they got the part. A lot of fun talking with those folks. We absolutely love them. 
Uh, we're going to keep uh, trying to get more uh, as the season goes on. Now that we have a little bit of clout, we're going to try to get uh, try to get some guests coming on as the season goes through. But we only got ten weeks, so we'll see. Right? Yeah. We'll we'll see how it goes. Comes and goes pretty quickly. Comes and goes pretty quickly. But we are so happy to be here with you. Please make sure to check out the Nothing Important Podcast at nothingimportantpodcast.com. Please check out our sponsors and please participate. We're we're happy to be here with you and we're excited to watch the rest of season two with you. Dave? Call us idiots, call us geniuses, whatever it's called. It's all good, man.